All right, so we're going to be starting this morning in our seventh week of Discover Discipleship. And if you missed out on, on a week, I encourage you to check out the podcast or check out um, our website for some links to the YouTube of the sermons. But week one, I just want to give you a little recap of, as we're getting close to wrapping up this series and looking to something new. Week one, we started off with just the very basics. What is a disciple? And then moving into week two, very obvious, we moved into who is a disciple? As we talked about the basics of discipleship in week one, but week two, we really focus more on you are a disciple of Christ. If you believe in, in him, if you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior over your life, you are a disciple. And as a disciple, you should be walking with God. That's what we focused on on week two. We moved into week three, which was worshiping God. Week four, we talked about our faith. Not the faith as in faith bovey back of the computer back there. But our faith in God as we look to Jesus calming the storm. And what type of faith the disciples had. We then move to week five, prayer. As we look to the Lord's prayer. And then week six, last week we look to the great commission. And as I preached to you last week from the final words of Jesus and Matthew, the great commission. I challenged you with something. I challenged you with this statement. What are you going to do this day, this week, for the Great Commission, for Jesus? I pause there because I want you to think about that for a moment. I don't often check back up on you the following week because we move directly into a new sermon, a new, a new topic, a new part of Scripture. But I hope that you did take an opportunity to look for just one way that you could help, help do the Great Commission in your own life. As we talked last week, the Great Commission isn't just about bringing people to a Sunday school class. It's not about just inviting them to church. It's about everyday life. As Jesus is, did everyday life teaching parables to people. We can teach people while we're working with them. We can make disciples in a coffee shop. We can make disciples while we're out fishing or while we're hunting bear. Now, that's something I got to start doing this week. I obviously haven't got a black bear yet. Because if so, I'd probably have a picture to show you. But I have seen some on some trail cameras. It's quite exciting, let me tell you. But today we move on, again, quite naturally. We're actually moving backwards to the Great Commandment. Now, there's a few different sources we could look to with the Great Commandment. We could look at Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We can look to some different scripture that's related to it in John or other, God, other parts of scripture as well. But before we get started, you're welcome to turn to Matthew 22. And I want us just to look to what is the greatest commandment. As we look to love God and love others as you love yourself. As we look to love God and love people. But first, I'm going to be playing a song for you by Lincoln Brewster called Love the Lord Your God. And it's a music video, so hopefully we can show you the lyrics. And as you listen to this... I just want you to be able to contemplate on the lyrics. I'm not expecting you to sing. If you want to sing, go ahead, but you might be alone. <laughs> but I do want you to just listen to the lyrics here as we sing. Mind and with all your strength, love the Lord. 
guys so why did I show this video I showed this video because I think it really helps to pound the scripture of today in your minds because we all have different ways of learning and some of us learn better by listening some of us learn better by reading or seeing it with our eyes some of us learn better by doing it so here this morning we're kind of combining all of these together I'd like us to go ahead and stand now though as we actually read it and I picked black lettering, and maybe I shouldn't have picked black, but hopefully you can read this. If not, you have Bibles in front of you. You're welcome to turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40 for our main scripture. And I'll start to read now. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. As one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is a great commandment in the law? And he said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> so with being to the last couple weeks in our Discover Discipleship series, we could not end without the Great Commission and the greatest commandments. But we start with this. Love God, love people. Now, hopefully this song's going to be stuck in your head all day long now because not only did we read it, but we also heard it. And, okay, I've got to admit it, I was singing it in the pew there. I was singing it. So now it's going to be in my head all day. And this wasn't planned. It was one of those things that as I'm finishing up my final touches on my sermon last night, this song just kept getting in my head. I couldn't get it out. I said, well, thank you, God. I'm going to use it. So it's great that, that God's given us people which give us music, which helps different people to be able to learn different things or to get different things in their head in a way that they can remember. Even when we talk about memorizing Scripture. Now, some of you kids in here are really good at memorizing Scripture because coached by Christ does an amazing job with that. I'm sure you've looked at different ways to memorize God's Word. A lot of us try and make up little poems or little melodies, little songs to go along with it to help you to memorize it. But before we get too, long, too far along, we are actually going to look to the end of this scripture, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. So just like last week's sermon on the Great Commission, as we look to this commandment, it's not just known as another commandment, but Jesus tells us this is the great and first commandment. A great commandment. Now as we look to this, your ears should perk right up. <laughs> I told my kids, you're going to be looking for a special sermon slide today. This is my dog, Greta. She's four months old, a purebred German shepherd, and my kids just love her. And I'm just thinking about the scripture last night, and I think, great. This is a great commandment. And as we think about that, as we see that word, our ears should perk up. As we read that scripture, we should think, okay. This is powerful. There's something here. We need to listen. We need to hear it. We need to pay attention. This isn't just another commandment, but Jesus says this is a great commandment. This is the great and first commandment. <clears throat> we should realize also that Jesus Christ himself is talking to us right here. And I don't know about you, but as God's talking to me, as Jesus is talking to me, I'm going to listen because whatever he has to say to me is very important. So our ears should perk right up. We should listen closely as we think, whoa, wait a second. This is a great commandment. I need to pay attention. Listen up, people. This must mean something. This must mean a lot to God. So as we look to this, what we see is this. Love God, love people. That's the overwhelming theme for today, the overwhelming point that you're going to remember. Love God, love people people. The commands to love God and love others are some of the most in-your-face, obvious doctrines of all Scripture, and yet it's also some of the most neglected commands of all Scripture. We need to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all of our strengths, if you look to Mark, but we also need to love others as we love ourselves. It's part of the basics of Christianity, and yet sometimes we fail to acknowledge it or apply it to our life. And we have to ask our question, why? 
I mean, it's pretty basic, right? Love God, love people. How hard is that to remember? How hard is that to do? I mean, every day we have easy ways of making this happen. Easy ways of loving the people right next to you. Easy ways of loving your neighbors, your physical neighbors. You're in the grocery store. You're in the line to Dairy Queen, wherever it may be. We have easy ways to love people, but we don't always do it. And it may, be, it may sound kind of simple, overly simplified. It may sound kind of blunt, but I think one of the reasons why is because we often care too much about ourselves. Right? We often care too much about ourselves. And maybe you're not meaning that in a bad way. You're just so focused on your time. Because you're saying, I gotta hurry up and get here. I gotta hurry up and get there. I gotta hurry up and move on. I'm focused. If I if I get unfocused, especially myself, I, I get distracted so easily. I am like this puppy. Let me tell you. I get distracted so easy. But we need to be focused or we're not going to do it. We need to get our focus off of that one-track mind and think first about what God tells us to do. And what God tells us to do is love him first and then love others as we love ourselves. Again, you'd think this would be easy, but it's not. So my question for you this week to contemplate, as I gave you one last week, and this is very related, very similar, but just a little different context because it's not the Great Commission. It's not how are you going to go out and start making disciples, baptizing, teaching. It's what does the great commandment look like in your life? As you picture the great commandment, love God, love people. And now I'm putting you on, your sp on the spot. I would tell you all to close your eyes, but you might actually fall asleep. But if you were to close your eyes and just picture the great commandment, not as Jesus is saying it here, but you actually close your eyes and you just think, what does the great commandment look like right now in my life? What would it look like? Or do you have a picture of it? How will you have a picture which all can see this week how you love God and how you love his people? So what we should be doing is loving God and loving other people as we love ourselves. So we're going to dive in a bit. I want to read this to you once more, and then we're going to look to the scripture as we talk about it. <clears throat> so please follow along with me. You don't have to stand. You don't have to read aloud. But Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, we read this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> Thank you. So, which is the greatest commandment? As we read this, first of all, I want to point out that it's so easy for us to think of the Ten Commandments. Oh, which of the Ten Commandments is the most important? Which is the... Which which is the one that we should be paying the most attention to. But this isn't actually what this is talking about. You see, back then, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers, the teachers, however you want, want to say it, the teachers of the law, they would want to sit around and argue 
debate which is the greatest commandment. And as they're talking about the greatest commandment, they're talking about over 600 laws and commandments from the Jewish law. And now they're trying to get Jesus trapped here. Now, you can look to different scripture. Mark gives you a little bit different of an emphasis here. But the emphasis we get from Matthew is they're trying to trap him. Because, again, with so many different directions he could go with the answer, they could say, well, I don't think that's the, the greatest. We think this is the greatest or that is the greatest. But how he answered him just blews him away. They would debate which of the laws are the lightest and the heaviest, which are the most important. As we looked at, into this sermon, we could again easily focus on the wrong thing, such as why did they ask this, to trap him or not to trap him? I was focused on that quite a bit at first because in Mark we get a different story there, and that could have been a different time or just a different perspective. But how did they ask this? Was it a test? Was it a trap? Who asked this? These are all things that we can study more in our own time. But what we need to focus on right now is just the meat of the scripture. The most important part of this, which is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We're starting there. I even highlight it, put some different colors there just to try and emphasize different parts. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all, I underlined all, your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. The way I see it, there's five different types of love which people give to God. If you're taking notes, you can write five types of love for God. I didn't write them up on the board here for you. And yes, I made these up. So if you Google it, you might be able to find different types of love for God. In fact, there are four, four types of love in the Bible, but that's, those are not what we're talking about right now. This is just how I'm seeing everyday practical love for God. Number one, and I'll mention only one of these is one which we should actually be, be imitating in our own lives. But I think every one of these we see in our everyday lives. Number one is this. One type of love for God is a love to hate God. And this person may often appear as if they have a life mission to mock God to everyone they encounter. They purposely seek out opportunities to verbally harass those who do seek to have a positive relationship with God. So always looking for that next debate, that next way to put down somebody and to lead somebody away from God. So again, number one was a love to hate God. Number two on types of love for God, was a love to ignore God. They just act like God does not exist. They never think of there being a higher purpose to their lives. They just live one day at a time with no greater vision as to where they will spend eternity. If you're to talk to this person, you often hear them say something to the sort, something like, you know, honestly, I don't really think about all that stuff because I'm just too busy worrying about today. But if you truly were to worry about this stuff, about Jesus, he would help you with today. Number three is a hypocritical love for God. Those who love to say that they love God, but everything in their life is against him and his ways. They may be the ones that are on Facebook or posting Bible verses or quote, quotes all the time from C.S. Lewis. 
But then you look to their lives, maybe because you work with them, or you see them in the grocery store, or you see them out with their buddies at a Packers party, and they're not really living how God tells them to live. Number four is a Sunday love for God. And I know there's so many more churchy ways I could have wrote that statement, but we're going with that. A, church, a Sunday love for God. And this is a love for God as far as their church or church friends and family may see. These are the people that are okay loving God if it does not affect their everyday life choices. It's the people that are okay giving God one, maybe two, two days a week of one to two hours at a time. All right, God, I gave you my time. Now, what are you going to give me? Now, that could have been another number on its own, but I thought it fit kind of well here that this could be a type of love of a person that is giving God love only to search or seek something in return. This person is okay loving God, again, if it does not affect their everyday life's choices, as long as it does not cost them more than their one-hour-a-week commitment. And let me also mention with that that this is a person that doesn't want to see their life choices have to be affected by taking away their fun or their pleasure, their drinking us buddies to drunkenness, their crazy parties, their many other ways they can... Um, Lead a life of sin. Put it that way. But here's the thing that I want to come down to as we go to our number five. The purpose of loving God is to glorify Him with our lives. But instead, we often insult Him with our lives. We must love God and love people. And number five, the one way which we should be trying to imitate is a sacrificial agape type love. And that agape, if you're taking notes, is spelled A-G-A-P-E, agape love. This is the one to imitate. This is the one which honors God. This is the one which glorifies God. This is the one that when you look at Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40, and if you look to the word love the Lord your God as the number one and greatest commandment, if you'd look that up in Greek, that word love is agape. This love is one which is completely devoted this love is the love of the cross. And this love is one which all of us should be striving to do each and every single day, but not just for God, for, but for everybody in our lives. This love is spoken hundreds of times in the New Testament. But it's also love which is very hard for us to do. And I don't know if we can ever fully grasp on to agape love. This is a godly love. It's a love which is selfless. A love which is sacrificial. A love which is unconditional. It is the highest type of love in the Bible. Agape is a term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. And it is ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing. One quote I found says this, It is unmotivated in the sense that it is not contingent on any value or worth in the object of love. It is spontaneous and heedless. For it does not determine beforehand whether love will be effective or appropriate in any particular case. That may sound very deep and hard to process. Let me give you a Bible verse which helps us to describe agape love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's a sacrificial love right there. 
That's a love which is unconditional, which is selfless. And that's the difference from agape love. That's the difference from every other type of love we try and give people is, <clears throat> and that we try and give God. Is our love often expects something in return. Even to our own wives, to our own husbands, we think, well, if we give them love here, we'll get a point. <laughs> if we give love here, they'll give us something what we want too. It's all kind of a bargaining tool. But that's not what God did. God gave us what, he didn't what we do not deserve. A love which gives everything. And looking back to the great commandment, this is what God is speaking of here. A love which gives God all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything. And in Mark, they also add strength. You must not hold back anything. He should be on your mind every day, and every choice you make should be made knowing that you love God with everything. What does that look like? Let me ask you this. <clears throat> I told this person who gave me this this morning that I was going to use in my sermon. So thank you for the gift. I got a whole bag of Green Bay Packers stuff, right? Isn't that awesome? You know what? I hear the Packers are playing the Chicago Bears tonight, right? It's going to be a big game. So let me ask you this. How much do you love football? Okay, that's not zipping up right now. I had it zipped up earlier, so I know it works, but I'm not going to fiddle with it. I got a fancy hat, too. You like that? Got to show off that Green Bay Packers logo, right? How much do you love the Packers? Not the Bears, right? I mean, that's terrible. You can't love the Bears. We live in Wisconsin. <laughs> Not the Vikings. The Packers. Here's the thing. We should love God more than any of this. How much time, how much money, how much of your heart, how much of your soul, how much of your mind do you devote to sports? How much time, money, effort, energy, how much of all your life are you giving to the things of the world? Not just the Packers. I think of guy stuff because I'm a guy. So I think how much time, energy, money, everything am I giving to hunting, to fishing, to shooting, to manly hobbies? How much time, energy, even to good things are we giving to family, to reading books, to focusing on our finances? I mean, there's anything we can think of there. To shopping. What, what hobby do you have? Think of a hobby right now in your mind. How much time and energy do you focus on that? Because whatever it is, God should be given more. He should be number one in our lives. So what are we giving to God? Is it an agape type love? Is it a sacrificial love? Is it a love which gives him everything? Or are we doing it just to get something in return? Are we like one of those other four numbers? A love to hate God, a love to ignore God, a hypocritical love for God that we say we love Him, but our life doesn't really show it. A Sunday love for God that we're okay with loving God at certain times as long as we don't have to give Him everything. Or are we giving Him a sacrificial love? But let's move on now. As we read on, we see that next statement. The second, which is like it, Again, it's great. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I truly believe that these two commandments are meant to work together. If we have a proper love for God, then we should have a proper love for his people, right? A love as we show ourselves. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, this scripture isn't trying to just talk to us about 
you should love yourself, you should love yourself, and so many people want to focus on you. Well, you can't really love others until you love yourself. You need to work on your insides first. That's not what we're focusing on here. Jesus just knows how selfish we can be, so he uses it to his advantage in this illustration. How much should you love your neighbor? How much should you love other people? You should love them as much as you love yourself. So how much do you think about yourself? How much do you buy yourself? How much do you work on improving your mind through reading, through studying? How much time do you give yourself? How much do you work on improving your image, your body, your strengths? Do this and more for others. Jesus humbled himself and died for us. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8, a very familiar passage, reads this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. It's okay to look to your own interest, but not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus came not, not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not to ask us to die, but to die for us so that we might live. How are you showing this same type of service to people around you? Again, I quote, do not be selfish, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. It's so easy to send your money or your thoughts, but how about sending yourselves? Next time we say something like that, we need to think not just about our words, not just about money, but think about our actions. Because we all know the, the popular phrase, the statement, actions speak louder than words. So how do we love others? How do we serve them? We should be thinking about others before ourselves. This is what the cross teaches us. This is what Jesus teaches us. We need to live for other people. We need to serve other people. We need to live for God. Excuse me. But are you looking up to them? Or are you looking down to them? There's another thing. As we serve other people, as we love your neighbor, as you love yourself... <clears throat> Just like there's different ways that we love God, there's different ways we love people. I'm kind of going away from my notes a little bit here. But here it is. Number one, here I can flip forward, is this. There are several ways to love your neighbor. A love out of feeling of guilt or duty. And a person like this might all say, well, I don't really want to, but I know I must. And they despise it every moment. But a, number two is a true love, which is passionate which is excited, which is happy to serve someone else before yourself. It's happy to love somebody else like they love themselves, to show them the same type of love that they know they've received through Jesus Christ. Which one are we? Again, we can picture this. I picture it as serving at a soup kitchen. Maybe that's just because it's something I've done before. But as I'm serving at a soup kitchen, how are you looking at the people who you're serving? Are you kind of looking down upon them and thinking, thinking bad about these people? You've got all your negative thoughts as you're judging them. Maybe as you're serving them, you're thinking to yourself, 
wow, look how good I am sacrificing my time and giving food to these people. I could be at home watching the Packer game right now, right? Or maybe you're that other person. You're looking up to them, and you're thinking how honored you are to be able to meet these new people, to be able to serve them, to be able to show them love that you were shown that you did not deserve, but you showed it to them anyways. You should be honored to be able to love them, honored to be able to show them the love that God gave you. If you truly love God, you should want to live for him. And if you truly love God, you should also want to tell all these other people, your neighbors, how much God loves them. There's a movie in a book. I, I talk about the movie because I'm more of a movie guy when, it talks, when I'm talking about these types of books, at least. But it's also a book, The Count of Monte Cristo. It was a really fun movie. I love this movie. I tried to read the book one time. It's about two inches fat, and it was old English. It was, it was I say old English. It was hard for me to read. I gave up. Here's the shameful thing. I gave it to like an eighth grade student in my last youth group, which read 10 books a day, and she had no problem with it. But I love this movie, and in the movie, Count of Monte Cristo, the main actor saves the life of a man, a pirate-type fellow. Because his life was saved, this man devoted his life to this main actor, the Count of Monte Cristo. This man that was saved valued what he was given so much that he gave it back to the man in return. He told the Count that my life is yours to serve you. And he would give anything for his life. And in one point of life, he even says, well, then kill me. My life is yours. He would do anything for him. How much do you value Jesus and the life that he gave you? The life that you did not deserve. Are you giving him your life? This value or love for God and what he gave you should lead you to also show others that same sacrificial agape love. The love for cross and love for Jesus. If you love God so much and you value what he gave you, you should want to share that same love with your neighbors. You should want to tell them how they can have love and have eternity up with God. You shouldn't want to see any of them perish. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says this, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. It's okay to admit if you're still number one. You struggle with loving others. You struggle with showing them the love that, that you should. Maybe you worry more about yourself. Yourself is the number one worry in your life. It's okay to admit that because we need to admit it because we need to ask for God's help. It's also okay to pray for God to help you in this area. God, Help me today to look to others. God, help me today to look to you first and to look to others second. I read a devotion by the Navigator's devotional email this week. I thought as we begin to close, I just wanted to read it to you. It says this. Most people would agree that the truly great people of this world are remembered not for what they took out of life, but what they gave. How do you acquire a servant's heart or help others develop a servant's heart? I believe the first step is to become sensitive to the needs of other people and then take the initiative to set the whole thing in motion. The China Inland Mission used the dinner table to train people for servanthood. They had a rule that when members of the mission gathered for an evening meal, no one was allowed to ask to have any food passed to them. Everyone learned to be alert to the needs of others and to watch for an empty plate. 
Think for the moment of, wor of the words of Jesus. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. John 10, 15, 18. Jesus came into the world to meet the needs of others and exercise initiative to meet those needs. It says, friend, do you think your dinner table could become a training ground to develop the Christ-like attitude of a servant's heart in your own life and in the lives of your family? Remember what Christ told his disciples in Luke 9, 48. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. This, the same is true for his disciples today. Our everyday prayer should be this. Lord, help me to love you with all I have. And, Lord, help me to put other needs above my own. Help me to love others as I love myself. So what are some ways, as we wrap up, that we might show love to our neighbor? Both practically, biblically, spiritually. Maybe there's some funny ones here. Serve your neighbor as you would want to be loved or served. That's easy to say, right? But how do we actually do it? So here are some ideas I heard this week. Number one is pray for or with other people. Don't just say, I'll pray, with you, I'll pray for you, but actually do it with them. Number two, share the gospel. If you truly love God's people, you're going to tell them that you don't want to see them perish to hell. You want to see them have life with God. You're going to tell them about Jesus. Number three, give a Bible away. How many extra Bibles do you have in your car, in your house? They're not expensive in the U.S. Give one away. And you don't even have to be that confrontational about it. Just walk, it, walk by them on the street and say, hey, here you go. Have a good day. <laughs> Talk about your testimony. Share with people your life, what you've been through and what God's done for you. Help someone with meals. Visit a shut-in. Here's one that I could do very often because I love this place. If you're at Dairy Queen, buy the person behind you a blizzard too. Just spend time with God's people. That's a big one. Just spend time with somebody. Do you know how much love that gives somebody just to show them that you care enough about them that you're just going to spend some time with them? Go to the atrium. Go to the Dove. Go to the hospitals. And just spend time with somebody. Maybe you don't know what you're going to say, what you're going to do. Just say, hey, I'd just like to sit with you. Maybe I can pray for you. Maybe you can just tell me about your life. Here's another great idea of love for others. Invite them to the free community meal and Bible study. Invite them to the free community festival that we're doing. And guess what? You should come too. It's free. And what a great way to show love to people. Hey, we got a free meal on Wednesday night. Just come eat with us. And if you feel led to, we'd love to have you stick around for the adult Bible study or put your kids in the children's program. Youth group kids, go to youth group. That's love right there because they're going to get to hear about Christ. They're going to get to hear about the Bible, hear about God's love for them. But let's just start with the basics. Come for a free meal. And then let them know about the free community festival that's coming. So as we end, I want us to end with this. What does the great commandment look like in your life? How will you have a picture which all can see this week? As we look to the great commandment and the second which like it, we see this. We see that the great commandment is both vertical between you and God, but it's also horizontal as we love our neighbor. So the great commandment, this love, this agape love goes to everyone. It's not something to be held within. It's not something to pick and choose who you tell or who you show that love to. We show it to everyone. But we start with God. 
and then we go to others. What does this look like as you love God and as you love people? You need to be focused. Take off the blinders. Stop focusing on your own wants, desires, and needs. And think, how am I going to love somebody today? How am I going to love somebody this week? How will you have a picture? Which if somebody just looks at your life, they can see, wow, that person loves God. And that person loves other people. We're going to just close with this this morning. So if you would bow your heads, let us pray. And stick around for the business meeting. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the love which you gave us through the cross, that agape, self-sacrificing love. Yet when we didn't deserve it, you still gave it. Lord, we thank you for your teaching throughout the Bible and in the New Testament here in Matthew chapter 22 with the great commandment to love God with all our hearts, with all our souls, all our minds. Lord, to love you with everything we have. I understand you could have kept going on and on with more descripting words, but the point is this. We need to love you with everything. Lord Jesus, please forgive us this morning. Forgive us every day how we we don't always give you all of our love. We hold parts back. But Lord, today may we give you everything. And Lord, tomorrow may we pray the same. May we give you everything each and every single day as we're focused to look to you first. And as we love you, as we love God first, may we also allow our life choices to reflect it. May we love others as we love ourselves. And in your holy and powerful name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. We're joined back together in about 10 minutes for the business meeting.